Is it? Is it? Yes, it is! It's my newfangled electronic listening device. E-P-O-D. E-Pod. Ah, the Wizarding Council are going to be so jealous of me and my lovely MZ3 player. Now, ah, what's all this paper about? Instructions? In Japanese and French and Gnomish? Well, bugger that. I don't need instructions. I am a mighty wizard. Ooh, it's all shiny. Now, I need to get all my favourite podcasts onto this little puppy. Right, let's get this cauldron boiling. Now, for the ingredients. Hmm, a fresh strawberry. Some marbles. A bottle opener. A used RPG book. One of my old boots. I wondered where that went. A handful of comics. Some green goo. A bottle of brew. That's uh, a dream catcher. Let's see. Uh, oh, a leaf from an oak tree. My myth is truth bumper sticker. Chupacabra hairs. And finally, my new shiny e-pod. <coughs> Don't fret, Hodgepig. Everything's under control. Whoops. Oh, what was that? Ah, oh, it's my D12. No, oh, no matter. Um... Oh dear! Oh, uh, smoke everywhere! Uh, quick, to the window! Ah, that's better. Smoke's cleared. Now, let's have a look at this E-Pod. Oh dear, seems I may have muddled things up a wee bit. Oh well, huh. never mind. No one will notice. And now a special... Shaken Not Stirred episode of your favourite podcast. You must be listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network at gbncom.com. Amazing! Follow the Path, the Bears Grove podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. This is the Bears Grove podcast for Monday, September 18th, 2006, number 25. And we're your hosts... Chuck and Lonnie. Something just doesn't seem right about that. No, nah, it feels a little weird. Bears Grove. Where, how do we Are we in a different place? Weird beard. Where? Ugh. There's usually bar. Where, where's the bar? I don't know. But these trees are kind of peaceful. I like this. It is kind of nice out. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we might as well talk about some role playing stuff while we're out here. Okay. Okay. Tweet 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 tweet. I had a few news and notes to start out with here. First of all, I wanted to make sure you guys all know about ConLive. Uh, this is the website that w- that Chris Miller from the Unquiet Desperation podcast and from the Roundtable podcast and from the Shadowdance podcast and so on and so on and so on <laughs> put together uh, to um, to kind of give us a central meeting place for all of our all the gamer podcasters to have their things up there, have their information out there have uh, con reports on there and that was one of the things that is in here is that there's uh, apparently there is now an interview with the organizers of Royal Con mm-hmm. which is a new con in Montreal, Canada yeah, yeah. which goes September 23rd through 24th so this this coming weekend, weekend yeah. yeah this weekend and um, also there's a lot of pod- there's like the podcast for games panel at Dragon Con is up there too so so there's some interesting stuff like that and, and it's some guy named Sam 
Sam Chop has got a couple things up there. Yeah, yeah. I think I've heard of him somewhere. Yeah. somewhere. Um, but um, yeah, there's uh, you know a lot of that kind of stuff. There will be more as more podcasters uh, start going and recording mm-hmm. things at uh, conventions. They will be po- posting their convention reports. I'm there hoping as for well. some more for some more uh, Dragon Con coverage. Is what I'm hoping for. Uh, there has to be some more out there. You know that there is as, as much as as many people as were there. We just need to make sure everyone knows about the place so they can get there and do it. Right. Uh, there also are forums for, for the Bears Grove listeners uh, at forums.bearsgrove.com. So uh, you can let Sam know what you think of this, of his uh, new shorter format and everything like that. Yeah, because he had a post up there just a few days ago. Yeah. So. We are going to be, this <coughs> this uh, this episode, we are going to be talking about a couple things. First of all, we're going to be talking about religion in gaming. And we're going to take a kind of a two-pronged attack about that. We're going to take a little bit of a talk about the way... Real-world religions tend to view role-playing games, and then mm-hmm. we'll, we'll segue in a little bit to how to the way religion works in role-playing games and kind of meet a balance there. And then we are going to talk uh, in our uh, Game With Me segment, we're going to talk about a game that we played a little while back that was very heavy on the gods. Very heavy. Okay. And we're going to, t- we're going to tell you a little bit about, about our experiences with that. This was actually Lonnie's creation, so... Um, should be uh, should be fun. So, so when you talk about religion in gaming and religion as it relates to gaming, one of the first things that usually comes to mind is, is to, particularly to older gamers who have been around for twenty years or so, right? Are, is, is all of the fanaticism and all of the uh, controversy that went on in the 80s, um, particularly dealing with Dungeons and Dragons. Right, with the chick tracks and uh, several other... Pat pulling yeah. and, uh, and all these things like that. Um, it really demonized it to some extent, and it, and it demonized really the whole hobby in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. If you hear people talk about role-playing, oh, like Dungeons and Dragons, isn't that where people devil worship and try to cast spells and... That kind of thing. Well, yes. Are you trying to upset me? <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, and, and it's 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 really a shame that it was labeled with that because you know the idea and the concept of storytelling has been around for centuries and centuries, and it, it's it's been one of the most common forms of entertainment uh, for you know before there was TV and radio, there was storytelling, and that well, was what it, what they did. And it was also one of the big ways that um, that history and uh, morality was passed down were, mm-hmm. were through tales, right? You know, even in the Bible, storytelling is used to get across points. You know, Jesus, right. Jesus, Jesus uses that a lot. Used parables. He didn't yeah. actually come right out and say you need to treat each other better. He told a story about a guy who right. t- who started treating his enemies better. And right. And even if you look at it nowadays, you know, there's stuff out there for marketing called hypnotic writing. Which is based on telling stories because right. it helps people understand better. And in a world that's that's going more and more towards video games and more and more towards uh, people getting sucked into TV and and, mm-hmm. and and doing more receiving of entertainment instead of actually creating some entertainment themselves. Right. Here is here is a, a a hobby where that really is based on coming up with something from your head, uh, coming up with a story. Fleshing that story out, coming up with characters in the story, adding something to the story, and really playing through the story. Right. And um, which really is an admirable thing, in my opinion. I think that's really a great thing. But because of a few of the things that were included in the fantasy 
particularly in the fantasy genre, which is where right. where it has always flourished the most. Um, it, ha- it it got some negative reactions from a lot of the larger religious groups, mm-hmm. kind of similar to how they reacted to the Harry Potter stories right. and stuff like that. And um, you know, and and we're gonna try and do this in such a way because we're we're not wanting to bag on any religious groups or anything like that. We really aren't. Right. I mean, you know, I, I we have a difference of opinion difference of opinion with a lot of them, <clears throat> and that's just going to be natural. Well, you know, we game, so obviously we have a we game. Of- but it, that is, but however, religion and gaming are not necessarily directly opposed. No, I have my my uh, my brother in law is a uh, ordained Southern Baptist minister, actually actually a fundamental Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he found out we were playing D anD D one time, he's like, "Oh, can I come over and play?" And he was. Fun to play he was a with. good player. Yeah. yeah, he really enjoyed it. Had no problem playing uh, a paladin of a, of a of a fantasy god, right? Because he could separate and say, "Oh, this is make believe, right?" And this is not, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. This is my faith and religion. This is make believe. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you know, I mean, go ahead. Sorry, I know one of the problems that has been given is just that you know, depending on where your focus is. Um, the more you focus on the fantasy world and stuff, you know, your brain starts to hold that more and to focus on that more naturally, even when you're not doing it. Right. And that's one of the problems they have, you know, it is because you're not focusing on things that are typically Christian. I, I guess if you want to call it that way. True. True. Um, so your focus is off of God and off of that and on stuff that can be construed, you know, with the magic, which they do, you know, most of the systems do borrow from real world magic systems to kind of get a flavor going. Um, mm-hmm. and the games are t- typically fairly violent, but then again, so are all your movies, your cartoons that your kids have been watching for years are also very violent. You know, and, and this is some of the problems that a lot of religious groups have with it. I think, I think another problem, and this is, is the freedom that you have with what you do with it. Uh, you know, there are rules obviously to what, to any role playing game that can to, to make it into more of a game, but at the same time, you don't you you're not restricted to a single line you're not taking a um you're not taking a piece and moving it around the board in a linear fashion or whatever right. you actually can go wherever you want do whatever you want make your character however you want to make your character which means if you want to play an evil character you can it means yeah. if you want to summon demons you can it mean you know th- that kind of thing within the restraints of your own of your own game right and i think that threatened a lot of uh, a lot of the the a lot of religions particularly religions who are particularly the um denominations who are sitting there saying our children are playing these games what are they getting into right and in that case my simple response is learn more about what your kids are doing if they're doing something you don't like that's when you talk to them about it mm-hmm. but don't just <clears throat> you know be a better parent just in general be a better parent don't right. you know, if if you don't if you don't like what your kids are doing talk to them about it find out about it Stop them if they're doing something destructive or doing something that goes against your own morals and values. But the idea that all role-playing gamers were Satan worshippers, which which some <laughs> which some of these people were trying to put out, right? Really, you know, really uh, is disturbing mm-hmm. to me. Now right. you were looking up you were looking up some articles a little bit ago about some things like that. The guy that wrote um, Straight Talk about 15 years ago. Oh, yeah. 12, 15 years ago. He's the original author of that. And he had a really good article explaining from their viewpoint why, you know, where the problems were at. And like the violence and the fact that there was magic in there was mm-hmm. some of the stuff, problems he brought up. Also, the fact um, 
that when you when you play a cleric or a priest, you know, even if it's well, for, first of all, it's not worshiping the Christian God, right? Uh, so that of course causes one one problem right there. But you've also got the problem that even when you're you're playing a, a priest in a fantasy game, um, they were pointing out that you're still using spells, which kind of takes away, you know, takes you into a different modality of thinking about the the modern day. Right. Clerics and priests, right. you know, and a, a possible confusion there. We live in a world that, according to religious texts and the way that the, the way that the religions are stay, are kind of put out there is once Jesus left, you know, Jesus was the, I'm here, I'm the proof, I'm the, I'm the son right. of God, that kind of thing. And once he is, once he was gone and had delivered his message, there was no more need to give miracles to, pro, to prophets or anything like that anymore. So that kind of thing is not seen as being something that happens by most priests these days, even though right. the Bible tells of prophets and, and uh, things like that doing amazing things, you know, I mean, how different is the create water spell from Moses creating water in the desert when they were, when they were thirsty? Well, one thing, you know, I mean, there's, there, there, there's, there's something to be said there that, that, you know, there's, there is a, there is a similarity. And that's the point is that the spells that the, priests casts are actually divinely given to them by their god right and and i agree with you one of the things that uh, that article was bringing up was that it gets you to thinking um i guess basically the instant receival type thing you know um whereas when you're thinking spells you're thinking i say this it happens mm-hmm. i get what i want immediately type of a deal you know where when you think about prayer then there's another person that's actually responding whether or not that that's the best thing for you and that kind of thing right and he thought that part was dangerous for the children to be brought up thinking that way. And I can see that. And the thing is, it's, it's, it's hard to completely argue with everything that the Christian, right. uh, the Christian, uh, right had to say about this because to some extent they had some good points. The way they go about it though is what bothers me. Especially back during that time period yeah, in the 80s. They wanted it shut down. They wanted it, they wanted it stopped. They wanted, to, you know, that kind of thing rather than saying, here are the problems we have with it. Mm-hmm. And if you believe as we do, Talk to your kids. Right. Make sure that they're not playing it. Do whatever. You know, actually try to, you know, get the parents to do something like that. Because the, the thing is, we live, in a, we live in a country where we're supposed to be able to have freedom of speech. And the freedom of speech says that if they want to publish these things, they can. Right. However, we also live in a um, capitalist society. And what that means is that if you put out a product and it doesn't sell, the product goes away. Right. So you know, I don't know. That's why I, I, it just there's two. There's obviously two sides to any anything like this. Probably three, but yeah, probably three. The people who don't care would be the other side. <laughs> um, well, no, I was thinking like you know your side, my side, and the truth. That's but, now there. You know. That's true. That's true. You know we're we're very very active gamers, so we're going to be very much on the other side from the religious right, right who say, hey, we you guys are evil, you're demon worshipers, you know. And the truth does probably lie somewhere in the middle. There are people, you know, the whole, what was it you were reading one where they were saying that, you know, that 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 that, um, that Cthulhu and the Necronomicon oh, and that, things yeah. like that were real. Yeah, that was that the they, same article, and, and he was saying even though that Michael Stackpole and his um, investigations back then had said... The pulling report? In the pulling report, yeah, had said that... Um, the Cthulhu mythos and the Necronomicon and stuff like that were not actually real uh, religions and occult stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, this author that I was reading today was saying 
yes, they are real, you know, and, and so you, it kind of makes you wonder. Well, they're there. real. The, Thule, the, the Cthulhu books are real fiction, and yeah. the Necronomicon is a real, real book put fiction. out by somebody who uh, wanted to write a book because he thought the name Necronomicon sounded cool. There's no real, real historical anything to right. anything right there, uh, you know, and, but th- at the same time, I sat there one time when I was younger in a bookstore watching three 15-year-old kids go, oh, the Necronomicon. Look, this is cool. Hey, man, I tried the greater spell of summoning, man. It didn't work, man. <laughs> you know, so there, so there, there, is, there are always going to be people like that. You know, I, f- I find it pretty interesting because that's the same kind of stuff that they bring up. You know, the same arguments keep getting brought up over and over by um, especially the fundamental Christian religions. When they come out against video games or or whatever you know movies when when movies first started coming out, you know there were issues about that, and it's the same arguments that get brought up, and I think a lot of times the solutions lie in the fact that that's the easy thing to blame, right, you know, and when you look at um I can't remember the evangelist name, but I remember reading um an evangelist who put out an article when Harry Potter had first come out and was getting mm-hmm. all of its flack um you know he'd said. Listen, I, I've read the books. The books are excellent. Um, but if the Christian religion, religion has anything wrong with friends who will do anything to save each other's lives and to help each other through problems, you know, if there's anything wrong with that, then I'm in the wrong religion. Yeah. You know, and he's got an awesome point because while there are people who will, who will play a lot of the evil campaigns and will, you know, do stuff that isn't necessarily moral, morally or ethically cor- correct within the real world. You know, if they do that kind of stuff in the game, there will always be people that are like that. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody will probably experiment with that too. Well, but you've got the majority of people, I would say, that are playing these types of games that are help your fellow man out most of mm-hmm. the time. You know, and most of the people that I know who play, who 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 like to play an evil character in a campaign or something like that. Do it because it's a safe place right. to get those those darker thoughts that everybody has out. Mm-hmm. And in their in their real life, they're some of the nicest people you'd ever meet, some of those law-abiding, never do anything wrong, whatever. Right. And it's just a way that they can kind of express a side that they have. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but, but, but do it in a safe way that's not going to hurt anybody and not going to break any social mores or anything like that. Right, because like as not, we all have thoughts that sometimes we wish we wouldn't have had. Yeah. You know, and it does give you a chance to play that out in a safe environment, like you were saying. Sure. Um, you also have people are, you know, as RPGs are starting to become more acceptable, you've got more Christian-based opportunities for that to happen. True. Um, and there's a there's online games, uh, some forum-based games over at ChristianRPG.com. Oh yeah. Um, you, there's also the Holy Lands RPG, which takes place obviously in the Holy Lands, uh-huh. and then you have um, Testament, which was put up by Green Ronin. Okay. Which I believe is set in like Genesis during the Genesis time where the really? giants were still roaming the earth, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so it's a little bit on the more mythical side mm-hmm. of, of the Bible, but still very biblical based. And from what I understand, it's a very solid, um, Christian type system. Yeah. And so there are opportunities for people to play in that without getting into the more offensive. And there are some other, and I, I there are some other ones. I, I'd have to look them up because I haven't seen, I, I don't have them right here in front of me, but right. I, have, I have seen some other ones like that too. I've also known people who have taken some more standard role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and tried to fit them into more of a Christian setting that mm-hmm. they're, that they're familiar with. You know, they'll, right. they'll have only, you know, rather than have all the gods, they'll have one God and they'll have, you know, mm-hmm. they'll have, they'll have a more of a, more of a 
traditionally well not tradition not more of a realistically middle aged thing but more of an uh, the the historically idealized historical middle ages maybe I should put it that way because right. we never you know we never you know it's, it's kind of like going to a renaissance festival if you go to a renaissance festival you go you have a good time if it was really historical and really accurate everyone would be smelly everything would be there'd be flies and dead bugs oh, yeah. and uh, it would be bad and mm-hmm. you would not enjoy yourself if it was if it was as much as you would so it's kind of an idealized history right. but uh, you know you can do that and fit it into your own fit it into a campaign that exists out there without much of a problem as well um that you know this and this has touched in a, in a way on how you can use religion in your games and not just in, in the way that religion reacts to right. the games uh and uh, we're going to talk here on our uh, game with me segment about how we actually ended up having to interact with gods and possibly to the point where you're interacting with gods too much uh in in the in this segment About eight years ago. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, Lonnie actually so, came up with a an idea for a setting that started out as kind of a normal everyday setting. You know, just it had you know it was fantasy. It was a fantasy setting, but it was but it was in a world that was pretty common. And, you know, it was it was meant to be kind of unremarkable. I think at, at the start, you know, you were you played. Village, we we played village people <laughs> in the navy. <laughs> no, that's what I meant. We played people who lived in a small village. <laughs> played children, actually. But, we did. Yeah, we started out, and it was a D and D game, and we started out at a at uh, at zero level. So we actually had, mm-hmm. and, and we and we had lower stats stats you would expect to have that kids would have, and we didn't have a class, and we didn't have any kind of any, any kind of special skills or abilities. We played this way for two or three sessions. Which really kind of helped us develop who we were and what we wanted to do, and then when it, and then we moved it forward to the point where we had actually chosen our class and gotten our abilities and gotten our you know and actually had started to get to first level. Right. And at that point, we uh, something weird happened. A great huge calamity happened uh, to the world that really wiped out the majority of the world's population. Well, there was a war going on anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And uh, and so. The way it was, you know, we were not allowed to play. The only thing we were allowed to play were humans. In fact, Lonnie made up the characters and handed them out to us. Did I? Yes, you did. Oh, well, they were all kids at the time. So we were that all was kids easier. at the time. Yeah. So yeah, he just made, he just made up a made up you know some kids, and we were able to we were able to he handed us out the, our names and our stats, and we were able to flesh out everything else. Um, but in other words, but the world had gotten seriously seriously depopulated mm-hmm. by the time you know there was like. Stretches of land for days on end where there was nobody, and then there was like one big city. Yeah, what what used to be the big metropolis was now mostly rubble. Yeah, um, you know, with some pockmarked buildings still left where people were trying to salvage a life. Yeah, it took us the it, it took us you know several months of game time to finally get to where elves were or any other race right. aside from humans were. Uh, and, but the thing was, there were so many thing threats going on to the world and the world was about to be overrun and the world was about to basically, the humans were about to die out of the world. Mm-hmm. And we were the heroes that stood up and said, okay, we're going to, we're going to save everything. Not really because we wanted to, but that's just kind of how it happened. Right. And over the course of what we did, we ended up actually interacting with the gods a little bit more actively 
than we normally probably would have. I think that's the most active we've ever been with the gods <laughs> in any campaign. But see, the thing was, the gods keep kept needing stuff done, and we did it. And the problem that we ran into, the problem that, that, that really kind of killed the campaign, well, there was something else that killed the campaign, but we're not going to go into that right. right now. That was a personal thing. The, but, but one of the things that kind of made the campaign start to go, start to get a little bit flat, and I think we've all agreed this mm-hmm. over the course of the years, because it was a great campaign. It was one of the, it's, it's one that we talk, we still talk about to this day. It's one of the most fun campaigns we had. But it started to fall flat when it got to the point where by sixth, seventh, eighth level, you know, mid level, right. we were, we were at, we could basically call on the gods and say, oh, we need this. And the gods really couldn't refuse us because we had done so much for them. I probably could have had them refuse. You, but, you could know. probably could have, but at the, at the same time, it would have seemed very petty for the right. huge things that we had done for them up to that point in the campaign. Right. Which helped to show us that um, God's being directly involved in your campaign is probably a bad idea. Uh, granted, another problem, I think one of the things that made that campaign so fun and also that caused a problem was that we did take a two or three day weekend. Yeah. And uh, went down to a resort and just played the entire, most of the the weekend. We got probably at least 24 hours of solid gaming done in the course of about two and a half days. And and I'm the type of GM who likes to, or who has a tendency to wing most of the games oh, yeah. you know so as you're doing that on less sleep and back to back and that probably didn't help the game um and uh and we learned one one more very very valuable lesson deck of many things <laughs> campaign killer <laughs> campaign killer but anyway no but, but of course as it went along we got we we grew we, we got a little bit older and we got a little bit wiser well some of our characters did and uh and it had a lot of had a lot of first it was the first time that um, I had ever been doing, any, I, I was you know, my, my wife and I were both gaming together, and she ended up marrying one of the other. Her character ended up marrying one of the other players. Characters, um, characters, yeah. And uh, you know, this is kind of kind of kind of weird, kind of unusual, but you know, it's something that I found out happens as as you as you game with uh, with your spouse or your girlfriend. Um, because I have another character. I have another. We have another game where I'm where I'm dating our friend Dave's. Right, wife. <laughs> so, and the neat thing is, a lot of people, um, at least over the Dragon's Landing in, a lot of people have asked us or have brought up on the boards about that being uncomfortable. How do you handle situations yeah. like that? And we never had any issues with it, really. Well, like I said, you know, this this kind of goes back to the same way. You know, you have to be able to separate real life from story. Right. And we were just talking about that with the religion in gaming, and it's the same basic thing. You have to be able to separate it and know that, you know, well, just because my character is dating her character, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit over here and start kissing on her. Right. You know, that kind of thing is a, is a difference. This is this is a story. Right. And um, and it's happened a number of times in a number of different campaigns that we've we've had going since then. Um, in fact, I don't think I've ever played a, I don't think I've ever played a character that's actually ended up with her. I don't no, I don't think you have. <laughs> it's funny. So, but you know, there, there were some there were some fun things about that, and and the the one problem that we have with really talking about this in depth is that it was eight years ago, and right. so much of it is so fuzzy. There's just a few little parts that stand up out in our head. The ending, the end gaming session when everyone was was finally we, we were ready to stop that campaign. Finally, ready to stop the campaign, and it just kind of all came to a head one night, and that was when we started recklessly drawing from a deck of many things. And yeah. that'll that, that'll do it. If you ever if you, <laughs> if you ever want to end a campaign, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, just everybody start drawing. Yeah, just just randomly just, yeah, deck of many things. What do we got here? Oh, okay, cool. I got a castle. What's the next one? Oh, all my magic items are gone. Okay, what's the next one? Oh, I'm in a little jar on the shelf of a god. 
Okay, that's me. I, I can't draw anymore. <laughs> Your turn. Draw some. Although I think I, I think that was you actually that got that in a jar on the shelf of the god, and somebody I came got in it. to get you. And I got it, and so did Beth. We yeah. we were both up there, and Dave ended up having to uh, having to do that. Yeah, yeah, and I will never forget that he went through all kinds of crap to do that. And he also drew the, all your magic weapons mm-hmm. are gone, while he was holding Beth's sword. Yeah. And he went through all this hell to try and get us out of, the, out of that. And whenever he shows up, the first thing he says is, where's my sword? And then she gets all pissed off because her sword's gone. He's like, dude, he just rescued you. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah, there were the tensions were running high, and we were just getting, it was time for that to end. Yeah, that was one of those games where there's personal issues were getting in the way of, mm-hmm. of the game itself. Um, and we did kind of find a way to. Uh, oh yeah, do, I mean, we finished it game. It had, you know, we we had brought the world back to enough of a balance at that point that it was that the world wasn't going to, you know, immediately die off. Right. So, which is part of why it was getting hard for the gods to refuse us because we had done enough mm-hmm. that we had pretty much saved the world, right? Single handedly by ourselves, we did it. It was us single handedly by ourselves, right? Well, they gave us a few artifacts to help us out along the way on specific quests and stuff like that. But right. it was us. We did it. So, you know, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) And I think that'll about do it for this week. Uh, We're um, probably going to be back in at Dragon's Lane if we can figure out how to get out of here. did you have you seen anyone who we could ask directions on how to get back to the to, to the I have the end? we'll have to search around. There's a stream over there. It'll lead to a village somewhere. God, that means walking. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, Sam will be back next week to to talk to you some more about and give you more of a more of a regular Bears Grove that way. And we got a we got to track down Weird Beard Weird Beard and pummel him to within an inch of his life. I think <laughs> that magician over from over at the. The does my geek look big mm-hmm. in this? He just doesn't know when to quit meddling with stuff. No, electronic products do not belong in stews, magical or otherwise. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, but it's been fun. It's 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 been cool. We've been able to talk about a few things that we don't normally broach on uh, yeah. on our show and it's everything been like nice. that. So that's been kind of cool. And uh, we hope to uh, hope, hope to you, guys you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we will see you all over at the Dragon's Landing Inn. Yep. Have a great week. <laughs>